Please stand with me at the reading of God's Word. Psalm 119, we're going to be in verses 17 through 24. Psalm 119, verses 17 through 24. Deal bountifully with your servant, that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. You rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. Take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. You may be seated. Psalm 119, you can think about this psalm kind of like uh, one of those picture books that young parents use to, to teach their children their ABCs. You know, you open up one of those books and, and you, you help them to recognize that's the letter A and you see an apple there and it says A is for apple or you turn the page and it says B is for ball. You may know that Psalm 119 is a song written by God's people about God's Word. But as we go through these verses, you may also think that these sweet phrases, these nice thoughts about God's Word are disconnected. They don't really go with one another. But in fact, Psalm 119 is very intentional. Each stanza, or you could say paragraph, it it focuses on one letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Look, look down at your Bibles. Maybe you saw above verse 1 some note that says Aleph, which is the Hebrew letter A. Above verse 9, Baith, which is the Hebrew letter B. Verse 17, our passage starts with a note that the, these verses, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, each one of them starts with the Hebrew letter Gamel or G. You see, this is very intentionally put together. These phrases belong together. And what we're going to learn this morning is that In this section, teaching us the ABCs, you could say, of a Christian's relationship with the Bible, that G, that's our letter this morning, G is for guide in grief. What, what, that's the title of the sermon. The passage, each verse begins with the letter G in Hebrew, and it's teaching us that if you want to know what the Bible is, it is your guide in grief. 
It is your guide in grief. This passage is all about what God's Word does for someone who's facing grief. See that in verse 19, a reference to the sojourner, saying that the the Christian is not a tourist in this world. We are an outsider in this world. We're not only not home, but we're suffering while we're not home. Verse 22, there's another reference to grief. This is the psalmist thinking about what God's Word can do for you when you are experiencing scorn and contempt or hatred from other people. Verse 23, look there how the princes are plotting against the psalmist. This is what a believer should do with God's Word whenever powers more great than them are coming against them. That's what this psalm is about. So I don't know how you thought we would start the year off together. But this is not a sermon about truths that will help you triumph in 2022. God has brought us to this passage to prepare you for when you face trouble. To prepare you for the threats and the stresses that you are going to face in 2022. And you need to know this. When you are in trouble, you need your Bible. You need God's Word to guide you and delight you. Here's the sermon in a sentence. God's Word can get you through a world of grief. Verses 17 through 24, all is making this one point. God's word can get you through a world of grief. And we're going to go through these verses in two parts, which uh, both of them are making this point that God's word is our guide in the midst of grief. Point number one is verses 17 and 18. And this is where the psalmist is crying out, give me help. Verses 17 and 18, give me help. The first words that the psalmist utters to God are these two prayers. Look in verse 17 where he is basically saying, give me life. Give me life. The greatest grief that we face in this world the, the psalmist starts with this. It's, it's death. This is why this world is a world of grief. Because it's a world of death. This is why we should start the year getting real about what we're about to face. And the grief that 2022 may be full of. And here it is. The truth is, We chose death over God. That's what God's Word teaches. In the very beginning, whenever Adam chose not to keep God's Word, very different than what the psalmist talks about in verse 17, whenever the first man, our father, chose not to keep God's Word, he was choosing the consequence that God promised, which was death. 
Be reminded of this at the beginning of this year. This is God's world. He is ruling over it. And you and I were made for this purpose, to honor Him, to listen to Him, and to obey Him. So God came to the very first human and He, and he said to him, you can eat of all the trees of this garden, but this one tree, the, knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you may not eat of it. And if you eat of it, you're going to die. And Adam and Eve chose to eat of that tree. And so this world is full of grief. However you look at the year, understand it will be a year in this world of death. But also be encouraged by this aspect of that truth. This being a world of grief and death also reminds us that God always tells the truth. He said... If we sin, we will die. He said, sin will bring us sadness. And God always keeps His own word. And that actually is good news. That we who live in a world of grief can know a God who keeps telling us the truth. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Deal bountifully is is kind of code words in the Psalms for save me from my grief. I'm just going to give you one of several examples. Look, Look back in Psalm 116. Just turn the page to the left, to Psalm 116. And, and notice what the psalmist is singing about here. Verse 3, the snares of death were coming upon him. He was suffering distress and anguish. And then in verse 4, he calls on the name of the Lord. And what is he calling the name of the Lord to do? Deliver him from this death. And then as he recounts that the Lord is righteous and merciful... Verse 6, he says, he saved me. And then we get the language of our psalm in verse 7. Return, O my soul, to your rest. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with me. He has saved me from my grief. And that's what he's praying here in verse 17. Deal bountifully. I'm under all this grief. Save me from it. So that I might live. You see the reason why he wants to be out of his grievous circumstances? It's not so that he would ease, uh, live an easy life. It's not just so that he would have a longer life. He wants to be saved out of his grief and threats so that he can keep God's word longer. He wants a longer life so that he can honor God more. That's what he prays in verse 17. But not just give me life in verse 18. He says, give me wonder. Look again there in verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. What is it you think you need? 
this year living in this world of grief? What do you think will help you when you are grieved by difficult things in this year? The psalmist tells us wonder will help you. He's being grieved. He's experiencing scorn and contempt. And he says, let me see wonderful things in your law. That's what we need, beloved. Because this is a world where, look in verse 19, this is a world where the righteous are not welcome. If you are faithful to the Lord this year, there are people who will not welcome you. You won't be welcome in their friendships. You won't be welcome in their conversations. You won't be invited over to their house. You won't be welcome. And you may be lonely and isolated. And you're going to need a guide for that grief. And what you're going to need is wonder. The righteous may not be welcome in this world. But in God's word, we are reminded, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We may not be welcome by the unrighteous, but if we're pure in heart, God is going to show himself to us. Look, look in verse 21. We need wonder because this is the world that is filled with people who wander away from everything good commanded by God. Don't you know this is a world that wanders away from God's commands, thou shalt not murder? Is this not the world that wanders away from God's commands, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not steal? That can be very discouraging to be part of that kind of world. And what you will need is wonder. You'll need to be amazed when you open God's Word. and Maybe you're reading that story about Jezebel, that wicked woman who killed God's people, who lied, who stole fields, who was wandering away from God's commands and God says about that all-powerful woman, don't worry, the dogs will lick up her blood. And then God makes it happen. You'll need the wonder of a God being bigger and more powerful than all the wicked, powerful people in this world. You'll need to be reminded in this world of grief that whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. You'll need to have this wonder that in this kind of world, if I stay with God's commands and I turn away from evil and I turn away from lies, that the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and His ears are open to their prayers. What kind of God, do we serve who actually pays attention to those who are suffering? 
We need to be reminded that the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. We need wonder in this world. And the place we get it is God's Word. It's in God's Word that the weary go and find. Jesus say, come to me, you who are weary. It is in God's Word that the sinful Christian finds a promise from God no matter how you have wrecked your life, no matter how many people you have hurt, if you confess your sins, I am faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Wonder at what kind of God we will meet. The God we need in this world of grief, we will find in His Word. This year is promising to be filled with grief. And you need wonder. If you're going to survive it. But notice in verse 18. Not everyone sees God's word. There's wonder in God's word and not everyone will see it. In fact, verse 18 is saying. No one will see it. Wonder that they need no one will see unless God opens their eyes to see it. When I think about this idea, I think back to the times that I've watched uh, gymnastics with my wife, who did gymnastics when she was growing up, and she therefore can see things in the Olympics that I cannot see. Sometimes she'll turn to me and mock me, I think, uh, in, in the sweetest and gentlest spirit possible. Uh, when she says, what did you think of that routine? And I said, I thought it was awesome. And she said, well, she only rotated twice. She was supposed to rotate three times. I didn't see that. She was flipping all through the air. Or she'll say, but didn't you see how her left foot was wonky? No, I didn't see how her left foot was wonky. It's moving way too fast. I could not see. Her eyes were trained to see the smallest details. Friends, your eyes do not work the way that they should. Neither do mine. Our eyes are not trained to spot God's wonderful works. The very things we're going to need to see if we're not going to be wooed to the wickedness of this world. Our pupils are dilated. By all the darkness. And underneath all that darkness, there's wonder that we will never see unless God opens our eyes. This is the way Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, no one can understand the thoughts of God. You can sit here right now and have your Bibles open and hear it explained and not understand a word of it. You could sit here right now and say, well, this is exactly why I don't come to church. So boring. Some of that may be me. But it could also be you. You cannot understand the thoughts of God. Only the Spirit of God can do that. And so, Paul says, God sent the Spirit 
so that we might understand the thoughts of God. You need God's Spirit to interpret for you what God is saying. So, beloved, let me encourage you, if you want to get through the world of grief, every single day, open up God's Word. Every week, come to church if you want to get through. And every single time you pray, verse 18, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things in your law, because I won't if you don't. And I don't want to lose hope. And I don't want to turn away from you, O God. Open my eyes to see wonderful things in your law. Give me help. Beloved, wonder can get you through this world of grief. It is only God's Word that can get you through this world of grief. And, and the second part of the passage comes in verses 19 through 24, where he moves from saying, give me help to guide me through. Point number two, guide me through. Verses 19 and 20 are teaching us that we need God's Word to get us through because we don't belong here. My family right now is is looking for a, a home. And it's a really important decision. You know, Kelly and I are looking for a place where we mean to raise our beloved children. The place where we're going to teach them and guide them to know the Lord. The place where we're going to laugh and cry. This is no small thing. Find a home where we can serve those who come and be refreshed. And it's so hard to find a home. And yet we're hopeful we're going to eventually find one. Christian, it's even harder for you to find a home in this world. That's what he's saying in verse 19. In fact, he's saying you will never find a home anywhere on this planet. Verse 19, when the psalmist says, I'm a sojourner, he's not talking about those times where God's people were wandering in Egypt. You see that? He's not talking about that time where they were wandering in Babylon or wandering through the wilderness. What does he say in verse 19? I am a sojourner on earth. Like the entire planet. I am an alien too. This is what Peter just said to us in 1 Peter chapter 2, is that we are exiles and sojourners. That's what a Christian is. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you should not feel at home anywhere on earth. That's what the psalmist is saying. When you're at home, you're not at home. When you are with the people you love most, there's something that is missing. When you are doing the things that you're really good at, We are still aliens. We are not citizens. And so he says in verse 19, hide not your commandments from me. What he's saying is this book is your guide through a world that you are a foreigner and don't belong in. You have to have 
God's commandments. We need to hear from Him if we're going to get through all the spiritual dangers of the next year. Verse 20, he says, My soul is crushed with longing. Longing for your rules all the time. Lots of people right now are making resolutions. The new habits they need to grow physically, personally, financially, professionally. That's fine. Do those things. But Christians have the testimony that my soul is crushed with longing because I need your rules all the time. If we're not at home anywhere on earth, there there is one exception, isn't there? The reason we're not at home anywhere on earth is because we're not with God. That's where our home is. We long to be with Him. That's what makes heaven heavenly, is being with God. And so long that we're away from Him and here on this earth, we're not at home. We're sojourning, longing for Him. Do you know what this gathering of believers is meant to be? It is an outpost of heaven. This is where we're home. This is the greatest taste of home we ever get. Worshiping God, hearing from God, praising Him, thanking Him, longing to be with Him. Him coming in our worship. That should be at the top of your commitments if your soul is crushed with longing because you need every moment to have God's Word because this is a world you don't belong in. Verses 21 and 20 through 24. He says we need God's Word to get us through because this world doesn't want us. We don't belong here and this world doesn't want us. The world is grievous to us because we don't belong here and the citizens who do belong here in this world, those who don't know the Lord, they're hostile. They're hostile to the one we love. And they're hostile to us because of it. You look, see in verse 21, a warning. If you don't live for God, If His Word is not your guide, verse 21 says about the Lord, He rebukes the insolent and accursed ones who wander. That is, neglect His commandments, who don't listen to His commandments, who go away from His commandments. On one hand, to a believer, I, I needed this reminder. I needed this reminder. I needed the reminder that the word accursed one has a definition. That, that being cursed is not just experiencing grief. 
It's not just the hurtful circumstances in your life. That doesn't prove that you're cursed by God. It's not being rejected. It's not being made to feel little and insignificant. That makes a Christian accursed. We can all often feel that when we experience grief, that God has cursed us. And he defines it in verse 21 that being cursed means being without the commandments of God. That's what it means to be cursed. To live your life without Him talking to you and guiding you. It's not only sad, it's dangerous and deadly because He says in verse 21, He's going to rebuke them. That's something He's going to do with His Word. Those who disregard His commands, who don't live by His Word, the psalmist is comforted, even though he's being threatened by those kinds of people, that God is going to put a stop to them. Just like Jesus put a stop to those waves when He rebuked them and put an end to them. Do you know that whenever we come to the Psalms, these songs of the nation of Israel, they sing of the Lord Jesus. And verse 21 sings of the Lord Jesus. Who Revelation 19 says is going to come back with a sword in his mouth and put to end everyone who has not devoted themselves to him. He will bring them to an end. And the psalmist includes this because that's a word from God that can get us through this world of grief. It warns us not to leave the commands even though the commands are bringing us this grief. Because God will put an end to them. God's word can help us to get through the grief because it helps us to understand why we're grieving anyway. Look in verse 22. I am being scorned right now because I keep faith. Because I keep your testimonies. Because I'm being faithful. That is the reason ultimately why this grief is here. Because the world doesn't want me. But God is going to answer the world. Look in verse 23. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. What the psalmist understands about this world is that it's filled with people who mean to harm believers. That is his perspective in verse 23. The people in power are counseling with one another. They're plotting together to bring harm against God's people. And they're powerful. They're princes. They're the rulers. And we understand that government officials can plot and strategize on how to hurt God's people. I don't think I need to illustrate that. I trust that social media and the news teach you that. I trust that you understand verse 23. If you've ever worked for a sinful boss or someone who was in power, a coach who was proud that you played for, Or if 
you were raised by cruel parents. You understand. Verse 23. The point is, when those who are more powerful than you are counseling together, will you have counsel? Verse 24, will you have counsel? Will you have anything to act upon? You're going to have counsel. You're going to be acting upon some kind of truth. Where is it going to come from? I heard this week that uh, a, a stat that I don't, I don't understand how anyone can come up with. And, and that is that the human mind travels, so to speak, at 3,300 thoughts per hour. That the human mind is able to think of 300 words every minute. I don't know how they measure this sort of thing, but I'm not that smart. You are thinking a lot of counsel, a lot of counsel, every minute. I've lived that this very week. I had some very trouble-filled days this week. And I was seeking counsel from myself. And as I talked to myself, I sunk deeper and deeper into hopelessness and also into sin until finally God opened up Psalm 50 to me and said, offer to me a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Seek me in the day of trouble and I will deliver. In that moment, God's Word guided me out of the pit. My counselors, the men of my counsel in my own heart, were leading me into despair. And God said, stop focusing on your stuff and give me a sacrifice of thanksgiving and I will deliver you. And He did. Understand this. You are part of the world of grief. Your mind is part of the world of grief. And what the psalmist is saying is when people, when forces that are more powerful than you are counseling together, talking together, you need better counsel than you can give yourself. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my, literally, men of counsel. Whenever we read the songs of Israel, we're hearing songs not only about Christ, but we are reading the truths that were sung also by Christ. He perfectly obeyed Psalm 119. Jesus Christ, whenever He lived in this world of grief, in the wilderness, a prince came to Him plotting and was offering him all kinds of stuff. The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And then Jesus took counsel in God's word and quoted Deuteronomy 6, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and Him only shall you serve. He does this perfectly at every step of the way in this world of grief. 
Jesus obeyed this and was guided and delighted by God's Word. They, the, the Word of God is what Jesus turned to for counsel whenever He suffered all of His grief, not just in the wilderness, but also on the cross itself. Do you remember what Jesus cried out on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When he was grieved, when he was in the hands of the powerful. When they're plotting, he turns to God's word. I want you to turn there to Psalm 22. Turn to the left to Psalm 22. We're going to close here. Because I believe that what Jesus was doing is an example to us and far more than an example to us. That on the cross, when He's in the in the hands of the powerful, and dying, and then says in Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That He was taking counsel and delight from the rest of the psalm as well. Look there in verse 3. How this is not Jesus losing His faith on the cross and saying, and complaining against his father, why have you forsaken me? Instead, what does he say in verse 3? You are holy, O God. And you, verse 4, our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. When he says, my God, why have you forsaken me and left me in the hands of these people? He's also committing himself in trust to God to deliver him. To you they cried. I believe Jesus was taking counsel from Psalm 22. God, to you they cried and they were rescued. And you they trusted and were not put to shame. That's what Jesus is doing on the cross. Verse 7, all who see me mock me. Doesn't this sound exactly like what happened to Jesus on the cross? They're wagging their heads at him. They're mocking him in verse 8. He who trusts in the Lord, let him deliver him. Don't you see Psalm 22 is what is being used on the cross to, to counsel the Lord Jesus. And then verse 16 explains more. They pierce my hands and feet. In verse 18, they divide my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. He wants us to understand what's happening to Him on the cross was explained in God's Word and can guide us to what's going to happen next. And I believe this is what Jesus was hoping in. Verse 19, O Lord, do not be far off. Come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword. My precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise Him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify Him. And stand in awe of Him, you offspring of Israel. For He has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. The Lord Jesus took counsel in Psalm 22 when he was being killed, believing he will praise God again in the counsel of the holy. Believing God does not despise the affliction of the afflicted. Of course, Jesus was doing far more than being our example on the cross. He was dying so that we didn't get forsaken by God. So that sinners would be forgiven by God. 
And God answered his prayer, raised him from the dead, so that he now lives to save anyone who turns to him. Would you do that now? And take counsel in God's word. You will not be put to shame if you turn to the Lord Jesus. He will save you. How will you get through? How will you get through this year? I hope you're helped by God's perspective, the ABCs, the basics of how we should view His Word is that it should be our guide in grief. God's Word can get you through a world of grief. How will you get through this year? Father in Heaven, we pray that You would make us a people who depend upon Your Word and find hope, who find wonder because You've opened our eyes to see it, who keep on the course, who don't wander from Your commands, who find a Savior in Your Word who's, who's more precious to, the, to us than this whole world. God, strengthen us to live as sojourners this year. We might honor You. In Jesus' name, Amen.